0: What is up? How you doing? It's Friday and you know what that means. New 3C podcast. This time I got a content marketer that rules. Yes, I got my man, Chief Evangelist Officer Ethan Butte from BombBomb Bomb, and we're talking about the evangelist role, what it means to content, what it means to be to be, and how he thinks about the work that he does. I really love his mindset. He is one of my favorite content creators in the space, always providing value and making sure that he's bringing other people in to help tell that story. If you like what we're doing over here, hit that subscribe button, leave a review, tell me how I'm doing, go become a member at The Juice, go to thejuicehq.com, hit explore content, enjoy your frictionless content experience. Today, without further ado, let's kick it to the conversation. What is up everyone? Welcome back to the 3C Podcast. I am excited for this episode. I am joined by Ethan Butte. Ethan is the chief evangelist at BombBomb. He's the author of Rehumanize Your Business. He is the host of the Customer Experience podcast, and I know he is working on a new book. I have enjoyed following him on social, listening to the pod, and learning more about everything that BombBomb has to offer. We have a fun topic today. I think the chief evangelist role is a unique role within B2B, but I think a lot of us as content people should be thinking more like an evangelist. So we're going to break down his role, how he thinks about it and all that good stuff. But without further ado, how are you doing today, Ethan?
1: I am awesome. I'm happy to be here. I love what you guys are up to. I like the theme of the show
0: and I'm happy to participate. Awesome. Maybe before we dive into the topic at hand, I'd love to talk about kind of your mindset going into kind of your, your new book. I know we've been talking about just like the planning and preparation, but books, content, I think you're just a guy who produces a lot of stuff. So I'd love to just g- get your perspective on just like content and landscape and just content approach in general and how you think about it in your role as a chief evangelist.
1: Yeah, I'll, um, I'll keep it unbundled a little bit from evangelism to start because that will definitely color and flavor it very specifically. And I, by the way, I think a lot of people listening are unwitting evangelists, and we can get into that dynamic too. But in general, you know, content, obviously a big fan. It's something that I enjoy doing as a content producer throughout my career. One of my favorite things about it is that I get to learn a lot because you can't teach unless you have a good handle on something. And as you're trying to put together, whether it's a podcast episode that you're trying to, you know, put together and do your research to make sure that you use this live time effectively with someone who is very often an expert on her or his topic, whether it's putting together a blog post, whether it's putting together an educational campaign series by email or some other format, no matter what the channel or medium you're essentially teaching. And that's uh, it's fun because it's an exploration, and I don't think you can effectively teach without doing a good deal of learning. And so that's something that I thrive in, and it's uh, I think it's one of the reasons I have gravitated this way when I joined BombBomb. There were, we we had no marketing infrastructure, we had no marketing team, and my my initial and immediate bias was toward producing content. And that required me to get to know our customers, get to figure out what they were doing. And by the way, we did not have many at the time, you know, what do they think is interesting about us? How did they find us? How are they using our service? What are their success stories? What do they struggle with? And, and all these things. And so frequently asked questions, it's another just core philosophy. Frequently asked questions are the a fantastic foundation for content. And then it just gets more and more nuanced, which is what, Type of customer or segment of customer uh, am I speaking to? Where in the journey are they, et cetera? And then, you know, if you just follow that basic model of what questions do does this segment of people ideally? It's this, a smaller segment is a better segment in most cases. What questions do these segments of people have at this stage of their relationship with us, or our product, or our service, or the problem, or the opportunity? And I think that alone, you'll never fulfill that. That as a framework is something that is a constant ongoing pursuit because segments change, the journey changes, your product or service changes, the core foundations that the problem or opportunity that brings you in communication with these people in the first place, even though they're foundational, sometimes those are shifting and changing. Certainly COVID shifted and changed a lot of you know the foundation. So that's just a, a quick go that you triggered me on with regard to <laughs> content. I, I, it's, it's great. It's good for me. It's good for the business. It's good for customers, et cetera.
0: So so something I heard you there and like I picked up on is you're certainly a a learner. And I always find like thinking about really good and solid content people, those who produce value, there are like two important qualities. When I'm studying content marketers, I'd love to get your feedback on this. It's just like one curiosity, like that individual or the individuals producing content are curious people. And then the other thing is just consistency. So these people are not only curious people, they're trying to learn, but then they're consistently producing content regularly. So I'd love to just get your reaction on just like how big of a role like curiosity and consistency plays in your process.
1: I Those are both very, very important words. They're important ideas. And most importantly, they're important practices. Uh, I think you're right on. I can't think of, I mean, just here, like in the moment, I can't think of two more important qualities To getting good and staying good, as being curious and and following that curiosity and an informed curiosity, but also one that's sincere within you. And then the consistency, because anything you want to be basically good at, and I don't care what it is, I don't care if it's playing the oboe, I don't care if it's skiing, I don't care if it's speaking Mandarin, I don't care if it's playing chess anything you want to be good at, you have to get the reps in. It's about practice. And and when I hear consistency, that's what I hear. It means conceiving it, doing it, putting it up, getting feedback, getting reaction the fun thing of about a lot of content by the way is that you can manipulate it even after it's gone live um not so true with like an email that you sent to you know 10 people or 10,000 people not so true of a podcast episode that you published but you know in a lot of cases you can edit and, and alter and update and change on the fly which is uh, which is also part of that learning and growth and iteration that is only possible through consistent consistently hitting send or publish or go
0: live or whatever the button is. I love it. Shout out to all you Oboe players out there. Listening totally. To the, the, <laughs> I don't, I don't <laughs> know why that one came to mind. <laughs> uh, okay. We're going to jump in, but before, one more thing before we do that, I have to tell a story. So I totally like had been f- following Ethan's podcast, following him on Twitter and was like, this guy's going to be, would be a great guest. So just like cold outreach, to ethan and then like a couple days later i get an email back and it is a video and uh true to the product of bomb bomb i should have expected it i clicked the video link and ethan gave me reaction and told me like here are the things that i think would be interesting and i'd love to talk with you more about it so like that caught my attention and video caught my attention um before we jump in i'd love for you to maybe like just high level, like BombBomb, what BombBomb does and how, it, how BombBomb helps your customers?
1: Cool. Uh, thank you for that question. And thanks for observing that it was a different approach. Um, we're still in a window where sending a video message, whether it's by email, text message, LinkedIn message, Slack, et cetera, is differentiating. The act alone is. But kind of underneath all of this is the idea that every single day we're entrusting some of our most important and valuable messages. To a form of communication that doesn't differentiate us, doesn't build trust and rapport, and doesn't communicate nearly as well as when we just look each other in the eye, even if it has to be through a camera lens, and just talk to people. And it's so crazy because when I started at BombBomb, A, we didn't have a live video recorder. You had to like record your video with something. Typically at that time, it was like a camcorder type situation or a flip cam or whatever because the iPhone didn't even exist yet when the company was legally founded and of course it took over a year uh, to have an iPhone with video in it but you had to upload your videos in there and internet connections were terrible this is like 2006 to 2011 were kind of like the what is this product and can we actually bring it to market 2011 was basically go to market and it was hard to do video at that time but in you know obviously we're well past that i've been at the company full time for a decade and was doing project work with the two co-founders for two years before that it's like for years. It has been super easy to record a high quality video with a great internet connection and put it anywhere that you're typing out text as a representation of your ideas. And so much of the expression of our ideas is in the way that we say it, not just what we say. So much of it is in our face and voice and personality, our tone, our pace, our micro expressions in our eyes at the corners of our mouths, all these other things. And so again, doesn't differentiate you, doesn't build trust and rapport and doesn't communicate as well as as if you just talk to someone or with a screen recording, like show and tell. And so when you think about that, all of a sudden you say, okay, throughout my day and throughout my week, perhaps I should mix in some video messages. And so what we have is a whole suite of tools and products to make it easy to record, send and track videos. Again, you can do it in email. You can do it from our web app. You can do it from our mobile app. You can do it from Salesforce, Zendesk outreach, bunch of other systems and platforms. Our whole goal is to get you face to face with the people who matter most to your success more often for
0: your benefit, but more importantly for theirs. Totally, and I will say I've been at this for six months, have received a lot of messages and responses back. I've received one video message, and so that crazy. message is is the one that I will remember the most. so uh, just get you to think a little bit, but we'll talk a little bit more about the mega trend in video. I think that's something a cool topic to dive into, but let's talk about being a chief evangelist so When we were, before we got on, we were talking a little bit and you referred back to your background in media. I think that's interesting. I think a lot of content people have different backgrounds and they come from all walks of life, but then somehow end up in this crazy world of B2B content marketing. So I'd love to maybe for you to maybe describe your background in media and just how it helps set the stage for what you're up to today.
1: Yeah. I had no idea what I wanted to do when I was younger, not really. Um, And I didn't even when I went to college, I went to the University of Michigan. Unfortunately, I have good programs and a variety of things and found myself in communication and psychology, ended up getting an internship at the local Fox television station in Grand Rapids, Michigan one summer uh, between my junior and senior years and ended up getting hired there a couple of years later. And that started off a, a dozen years that I spent initially writing, producing, and editing television spots, right? Like watch this show at this time, you know, participate in this contest, whatever the case may be. And eventually started running teams of writers and producers. And so I was a a marketing director inside local ABC, NBC, Fox stations in Grand Rapids a couple of times in Chicago and uh, and out here in Colorado Springs where I am now. And, you know, when I took the job in Colorado Springs, it was my, I knew it would be my final job in television because I was just kind of done with it. Um, is boring. There are a lot of things that happen every single year at the exact same time. I think if we want to get really judgmental, you know, it's pretty much a not very useful product almost all the time, you know, with the exception of a really dramatic weather event or some kind of calamity or catastrophe, for example, you know, we had a really significant wildfire that like came down out of the forest uh, next next to town here and into some neighborhoods. I mean, There's no better organization equipped to help people be safe and informed than your local television station, in my opinion. In a in a very acute, you know, bad situation. Besides that, which by the way is like a once a year maybe type of event, is not very interesting product. And I think if you're a marketer or a salesperson or really anyone. But really, in sales and marketing in particular, and you don't truly believe in what you're doing, the product and the value that it represents, you are either disingenuous, and as a consequence, not doing a very good job um, because you're just going through the motions, and people can tell, even in your writing, in whatever your format you're producing content in, or you're dying inside uh, because you are really, like really good at faking it, and there's just, just this this whole discrepancy in you being like a whole person. So anyway. Uh, I was obviously a really tight deadlines in media, not a lot of resources. It hasn't been a super healthy business for several years now. And I, gosh, it's only gotten worse since I left. And so fast deadlines, not a lot of resources, a lot of comfort working with images, especially video as writing, producing, and editing video, sometimes shooting video as well. And so as I was exploring what I wanted to do next a lot of writing and short format writing, essentially taking complex ideas and turning them into a 30 second message with the most compelling and salient ideas, like over and over and over again. I had done that hundreds, if not thousands of times, like really powerful experience, but I didn't realize it until I started to apply my skills in another space. Comfort with photography, comfort with video, all lent itself perfectly well to kind of Web 2.0, 2009, 2010, you know, rise of social rise of blogging, commenting, interactivity, et cetera. Like it was just a really easy transition for me because the skills were highly transferable.
0: Did you real? Okay. So did you realize at the time, I'm sure you were sitting there day to day and you're like, man, I wish I had some help. I'm doing all of these things all these multimedia touches and uh refining your craft and did you have any idea at the time that you would be taking bits and pieces of all of those things that you were learning doing and those skills into a new opportunity like bomb bomb did that ever cross your mind at all
1: uh, not specifically, but I will say a couple key ideas. First, when I came out to Colorado Springs, instead of having to go into an editing suite and you know bring my source material in and digitize it if it wasn't already digital, um, and edit in like an edit bay because you needed super powerful processors and it was really expensive equipment, so there are only like two of these edit bays where you could you know do your own thing. When I came out here, I was just working on my laptop at my desk with the Adobe Creative Suite. That was huge, right? The, 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 the come down on the on the software and the come up in computing power in a, in a laptop um, was super important, this ability to do this on your own. And I was also working on an MBA, which so I was in a like kind of a different headspace there, like this bigger, broader, generalist survey of how businesses operate, getting into finance and operations and some of these other things I didn't have much much exposure to. And I was doing project work with like five or six different companies um, that I knew. I just you know a couple of them I met in my MBA program. One of them was BombBomb. I met the two co-founders right when I moved here to Colorado Springs. So I was already kind of in this kind of play space of I got the safety of a full-time job. I'm doing this other kind of exploration in a formal MBA program at the CU, you know, University of Colorado here in Colorado Springs. And I'm getting paid, not a lot of money. I mean, we all underprice ourselves. I think if we're, you know, I I, I didn't do a lot of work on my own as kind of a, a freelancer. So I certainly was underpriced, but I was at least discovering what people liked, what skills were transferable, what people's real problems were, how I could approach them, why people liked what I was doing. And so that, you know, by, by having that kind of blend of six months to a year of safety of exploring, I was able to kind of flex that out and it became a bit more real. So some of it, it was intuitive and I thought it might be true and it turned out to be true and other things never even occurred to me but they became obvious once people gave me that feedback or they gave, wrote me that check to do that thing or whatever the case may be. And so kind of not really is the is the short answer.
0: I love it. So then uh, you, I think, you know, when you finally landed and, you know, started working at BombBomb, the, you, you were probably in a position, I think a lot of people at early, a lot of marketers at early stage companies are where you're They decide, okay, we need some marketing uh, horsepower. And then all of a sudden, it's not like, hey, we're going to go hire a marketing team. It's we're going to go hire a marketer and we're going to tell this marketer, like, hey, like, figure this out, do all of these things. And I think maybe like, I'd love to hear you talk about this a little more, but like at that moment, typically, it's like that helps set the stage and the path for what you're going to do and how you're going to operate. And I would imagine that moment helped kind of influence you being uh, a chief evangelist today, right? You could have maybe dumped a lot of money into paid advertising, demand gen, a bunch of like direct response stuff, and maybe you did some of that stuff, but um, you've kind of focused kind of your career on just the adding value content. So I think a lot of people are are single marketers of one that listen to this show. So I'd love to maybe get your perspective on just like being a marketing team of one in like the early days and things you learned.
1: Yeah. And I think a really important thing here, the intersection of evangelism in this, this kind of situation or scene that you set, well, which was one I had the privilege of living through is that there was no market for what we were making, right? No one like video in email was not really a thing in 2011, 2012, 2013, and certainly not how it's become today, which is like I can just in my gmail inbox with our google chrome extension when you send me an email i just hit reply the bomb bomb icon is there i record and i just talk back to you like back then it was upload your list it's like constant contact or mailchimp but designed around video so that the video was a seamless experience to the email sending and that the analytics were all kind of together in one as opposed to analytics living out in youtube and the email analytics here and you have to kind of use the click as a proxy for watching the video, kind of, kind of like we solved some problems there, but there wasn't really any market for it. People didn't know what it was. The email marketing community didn't accept us. Uh, we weren't quite this one-to-one machine yet, and so this value of like personal human touch wasn't fully established yet. It was still kind of this marketing through video type of structure, and so. Immediately, I lit up the social channels that were available at the time, and I immediately went on this journey of uh, how did people find us? How are they using us? What does success look like to them? This is an interesting one, especially if you're a, you know marketing a, a specific product or service. How are they using it in ways that it wasn't designed to be used? That was a really interesting thing. And I would just, you know, and of course, we're doing some feature launches and things like that. And so I need to think through and learn, why did we make this? Was it based on customer feedback? Was it based on our own roadmap and what we know where we want to go? And why do we want to go there? Is it consistent with our vision, some bigger vision? And just kind of telling those stories. If it was a heavy enough story, you'd write, you know, a 1500 word blog post about it. If it was a lighter story, it would just be a social post, or it might be like a chunk that's in the body of the newsletter that doesn't necessarily, or an email that doesn't click anywhere. It's all self-contained there. And so I did that in writing. I did it in videos, of course, a lot of screenshots, photography, et cetera. But it was this constant journey of how are people benefiting from this? And I think if you can tell that story, A, you, you're naturally going to get to the most important place that any content marketer can be in most cases. I, I, we could certainly talk through some exceptions, but it's being in conversation with the customer or the potential customer or the potential employee or the employee. Because um, we don't want to miss the opportunities to to be a value and service internally to create that alignment across the whole team of why are we here how are we helping people why does this product uh, addition exist at all how are people actually using it and when you do that internally and externally a you're setting the you're setting this culture around the company that says you know this is how we do it around here we celebrate successes we feature our customers. We communicate with our employees. Now, the customer success team is bringing me examples that they're hearing on the phone or customers are just cold offering me their own success stories because I make myself available and I'm telling other people's stories. Like You're setting this culture from the beginning that we are a community of people that knows that there's a different and better way to communicate every day, that video can help us do that. That video in a non-traditional format outside of YouTube, outside of Facebook, outside of anonymous mass viewing, that there's a there, there's an additional way to do that um, that's more approachable for everyone, including people that would never create a YouTube channel or a, you know, upload videos to LinkedIn necessarily for for large anonymous viewing audiences. And I mean, that even set the stage years later for the book itself, which is basically a celebration of the community we built and everything that I learned with and through those people.
0: So the, uh, the, I hear that I love the culture component and, and being mindful of that. And I think about like, I think about all the marketers that I I've, I've spoken with over the last, you know, half a year or so, or so much. And like, I've started to create like these divisions in my head around the marketer and it seems like there are marketers that are playing the long game and the long game to me are marketers that are focused in on having those customer conversations, providing value, more brand focused. And then you've got maybe short-term marketers who are more focused on just like capturing the leads, generating, working with sales. And neither one is wrong. I think they all work together, but I think, I would classify myself probably more as I've progressed in my career more on the long game side of it. But I think like when you're a marketing team of one, right, that that it's hard to position yourself with your leadership team that you're going to go, you know, spend your first three months just talking to customers. Like, how did you... Maybe balance balance it out where you're saying to your you know your stakeholders, hey, I think we should be doing these things, and they might not cause immediate traction for us, and we might not win three deals in the first three months. But the more I do these things, it will compound over time, and that's when we'll start kind of building the bomb bomb brand. Like, how did you have those conversations internally um, when you first started working full time?
1: Yeah. Well, I had the benefit of having trust on the way in the door. I knew Darren and Connor are two co-founders socially. Um, I worked with Darren. Darren was running internet sales at the NBC affiliate here in Colorado Springs. So he and I hit it off right away. So I knew him for a couple of years before I even knew that he was working on BombBomb with Connor McCluskey. And uh, so again, I had done project work with those guys. So I had more trust than I think a lot of people do on the way in the door. They also knew my style because I was delivering work product for them you know, every month or every six weeks, you know, like, you know, we would meet, we would talk about what was going on. I would leave, I would come back with what I was gonna do, you know, a week later, they'd say thumbs up or we'd modify and then I'd go do it and bring it back. And then we'd talk about it. So I had already worked out some of that give and take in a way that built some trust you know, we were running some Google AdWords, but it, it was around things like video email and video email marketing and video email service and like, but there's no volume on those things again. So, uh, you know, it was, I didn't get a lot of pushback. Um, the salespeople were part of the process. You know, I think if the salespeople are are telling you what they need, and telling you what they're learning, and you're in conversation with them. And if the customer success or customer service people, there's only one of those. We had a couple of salespeople, uh, but only one uh, customer success guy, customer service guy at the time. And he's still with us, too, Jonathan Bolton. He's our chief customer officer now. You know, if you're in communication with those people in a give and take where you're getting ideas and you're learning what they need in order to serve the people they're talking to, like you just automatically have this buy in. And, and this is the foundation, by the way for all the paid opportunities. How do you know what to sponsor? How do you know what to put in your ads? How do you know what the email sequence should include? Like, How do you know what you should be doing if you're not doing that level of communication and discovery either directly with the customer and or with the people who are talking with the customer every single day, so the frontline folks and, and at some level, I mean, we've never had a really strong, formal sales enablement function. It's this dynamic between our marketers and the other teams we're working with that essentially create that enablement for our sales team and for our customers and for our customer
0: success folks. I think that's such an important nugget in that it doesn't necessarily require a dedicated sales enablement team, but... Everybody within the organization should be a part of that because we all should be having customer conversations frequently. I will Dispect- say it's,
1: uh, I, Sorry, I will say Yo, go for point, it. We we definitely need that because we produce so much content. It's sure, like it's not organized in a great way. Like to me, this the sales enablement function that we need is how to make sure it's at it's at uh, just at arm's reach anytime so that it can all happen faster as opposed to like. Someone hits up the Ask Marketing channel in Slack. It's like, oh, hell yeah, we've got that. Here's <laughs> right. the link,
0: you know? Totally. Let's, let's jump back over to video because I think you've been in this unique position where you've been at a company for, you know, a decade plus. Um, you talked about video and how no one, there was no product market fit. Like the, I worked in the email marketing community. Like I remember those days. And then all of a sudden, you know, YouTube and then video. And now it's like, that is, it's the mega trend. That is how so, so much content is being consumed via, via video these days. So maybe like just being an evangelist in your role, I would imagine like the light bulb moment, it's, it's, it goes on a lot quicker these days, but like, what has that like evolution been like for you in your role in communicating with the market?
1: Yeah. So a couple of things. First, again, like video itself as a marketing tool, as a marketing medium and channels like YouTube as marketing channels is pretty well established. The way I spent the vast majority of my time and the reason that writing Rehumanize Your Business wasn't especially difficult, it was like I'd already written like 500 blog posts and created at least two or three dozen webinars and stage presentations. And so is just organizing those into a different format or channel. We set aside along that journey, we set aside marketing through video. And we said, if you're doing this, awesome. If you're not doing this, you probably should be. And this is like a nice video on your homepage, consistent video in social, a healthy YouTube channel, et cetera, right? If you're doing it, great, keep going. If you're not doing it, you should consider doing it. But regardless of what you're doing with marketing through video, here's this other idea. We call it relationships through video. This is about being more personal, more human, more complete. The goal is not to replace uh, or, or or to make the investment of a homepage video or a television commercial or a movie trailer. It's to say, you know what? If you weren't sending a video right now, you'd be sending two paragraphs or five paragraphs of typed out text. And it would be short on all of these benefits and qualities. It wouldn't differentiate you. It wouldn't build trust and rapport. And it wouldn't communicate as well as if you just look someone in the eye and talk to them or did a screen recording with a show and tell. And so that was kind of the layer that was new for a lot of people. And it takes some time to getting around because when you hear video in a business context, you either think live video calls via Zoom, Microsoft Teams, Google Meet, whatever. And really that obviously accelerated dramatically with the pandemic. Or you thought, oh, this guy's gonna to talk to me about, you know, video editing in, in my YouTube channel or putting videos into my blog posts, which is also another good thing to do. So it was it was trying to recognize what was already familiar, but make it accessible to everybody. Cause I truly personally believe, it's the reason I've been at it for so long, that basically anyone working in a professional capacity can and should be including some video messages along with what is otherwise typed out text. Again, in email, in text messages, in LinkedIn messages, in Slack, everywhere that we're communicating in this emotionally and visually impoverished way, right? The human brain needs and wants the senses to be filled. We are naturally attuned to one another's faces. Our subconscious is constantly exposed through our face Um, And we're constantly reading other people's subconscious through their face. That's why when someone says something, but they don't mean it, we know we don't go, you know, we're not consciously aware all the time that this person's full of it, but so we get that feeling, right? And that feeling is because there's a discrepancy between the words that they're saying and how they're saying it and not just how they're saying it through their voice, but how they're saying it with their body. And we can detect these things because we've been doing this for Tens of thousands of years as a species, and we've gotten pretty good at it. But now that we've moved into digital communication channels, we're uh, oftentimes stripping the messenger out of the message. We're limiting the available information to other people's brains to make good and healthy and safe choices. Do I know who this person is? Do I know what their identity is? Can I verify their identity? Can I? Am I clear on their tone? Am I clear? Most important, on their intent right? The two things people are judged on is warmth and competence. Competence is, can they do the job? Are they smart? Can they get the job done? But warmth is are they going to do that? And are they going to do it in my own interests? Are they going to do it as my partner? Are they going to do it in a way that serves me or helps me, or are they going to get over on me? Are they going to manipulate me? Because you can be a highly competent person, but not have that other component and that's going to burn people. And so that's another thing we've learned as a species is that warmth trumps competence. And so, Again, when we think about all the messages that we're sending out from our BDRs, from our SDRs, from our AEs, from our customer success people as marketers, we need to think about how to serve human beings in a more complete way. And of course, in-person is the best. In-person doesn't scale. That's part of its value and wonder and joy and delight. Um, It's also the most complete and high fidelity experience we can create. It is the definition of fidelity is being across the table or side by side or in a physical embrace with another human being. And so short of that, we need to do the next best thing. And so, uh, I mean, that's what I've spent the past decade working on is when, how, why to do this to finally to bring in the evangelist piece. Evangelism is necessary when you are innovating. I think I've already defined that we are innovating. We're helping define this new way to use video and this better way to use these communication channels. Most people uh, who are in a healthy business are probably innovating at some level. And I'm not talking about the innovation of, I'm just going to make some small tweak to increase efficiency. I'm not just going to, Hey, I'm the car rental company. Now you don't have to get dropped off at the place. We'll actually come pick you up so you can rent the car. Like that's cool, but it's still a car rental scenario. You know, the one where you can rent your neighbor's car is the innovation when you can do it through an app and they don't even need to be there. So, anyway, a lot of people listening are probably innovating at some level. And in that case, you need to be evangelizing. The key to evangelism is talking about the problem, not about the product. Now, you were kind enough to ask me about BombBomb in particular, but all I've been talking about is the problem and the solution. And so, the idea is if you lead by talking about the problem, not the product, and you lead by asking about the problem, not the product, you're in a much healthier conversation. A, you're going to learn a lot more. B, people's defenses aren't going to go up. I can't tell you how many events I've been at. We were talking about live events uh, before we hit Recorder. I can't tell you how many live events. And by the way, for those of you who aren't clear on this, most speakers at most live events are paying for the opportunity to be on that stage. Okay. And a lot of those people aren't good at it and they think, (laughs) Oh my God, I spent 10 grand. I better sell my product and they get up there and they just do this like lame product (laughs) picture demo. Like I was recently on a session where we were sponsoring the event, but I came in and I talked about this high level problem. And and at the end of the event, now I wasn't there, but a couple of our team members were, they were saying like they were going around the horn was kind of an intimate event. Like, uh, five or six dozen people, and they were going around talking about the highlight of the last two days. And my presentation came up two or three times. And it's because I didn't roll in there and say, hi, I'm Ethan from BombBomb. Check this out. Here's what you click. Here's why you click it, blah, blah, blah. It's like, it it just raises the conversation and puts you again from a kind of a, I'm using culture as a stand in here. Mm -hmm. From a cultural perspective, you're just setting the table for much healthier conversations because we're curious about who we're helping, how we're helping, why we're helping, what are we actually doing here, et cetera. And and then going all the way back to the evangelist role, you don't necessarily need someone in the job. If you're innovating, you probably are doing some evangelism. Oftentimes that's done by the founders or the co-founders or the early team members. Sometimes it's a split responsibility. The thing I would encourage you to do though, is be conscious about who is doing this evangelism I would also be conscious about bringing the outside in and the inside out. That's why I'm doing a lot of conversations like this. I mean, this one's fun because we're just talking about like career arc and philosophy and some practical stuff too. It's not really about well, it has been. It's been about a lot of different things. I've enjoyed this, but you know, as you go out and you're talking with potential customers, but you're also talking with other people in the community, what's the scene? What is the appetite for video messaging? Why are people really hanging up? Like we know from communicating with people who start free trials with us. We know from the companies that we're doing pilots with, like what's working, what's not working, but go upstream or go a step outside of the immediate circle of the business operations and say, what's going on at large? How are people, like, why isn't there faster adoption of this you know, who are the new competitors? How are they positioning themselves? And I that does start to bleed into like the proper marketing function, but like it's this constant taking what you learn and bringing it back into the organization and taking what's going on in, in the organization and taking it out into the broader world, even beyond the scope of your of your traditional marketing efforts.
0: I love it. So much good stuff there. So right. many... Sorry, sorry, went on there. No, it, it, it was good. I, I can't stop thinking about the event example though and how yours- you know, yours was the talk of the town because you didn't get up there and product pitch. And it's just amazing how so many people want to get up there and just blab about features and functionality when no one's going to remember that. And I think coming from a place of abundance, playing the long game in marketing, obviously like you're, you've are you been playing the long game. You've been with the same company talking about similar things, evangelizing uh, video messages um, for a decade. And now you're on the other side of it where, the, the this generation that's coming up and coming into the professional workforce, they're they're viewing things on TikTok. They're you know video messaging their friends like that is how people are communicating. So like coming from a place of abundance, playing the long game, uh, you're kind of seeing everything. Uh, I would imagine it's the whole way through, which is um exciting. And maybe we just close it out with that. Like how has that experience been in going from? a product and a thing that really didn't have a product market fit to now. Like we're in this world and society where like, it seems like as each day passes, video becomes ever, more more of everything every day. Yeah. It's really interesting. And I'll say specific to video messaging. I mean, we have a heck
1: of a lot more competition now than we did say five years ago. And a lot of it is backed by name brand VCs, Bessemer, Sequoia, like, and tens of millions of dollars, 10, like, Actually, probably hundreds of millions of dollars across multiple competitors. We're bootstrapped, by the way, which is an interesting and unique challenge and conversation for another episode. But you know, there's certainly been validation of this idea, and I do think that that a younger generation is more attuned to it. I don't think you'll get the same level of resistance. But it also the interesting thing, and this kind of gets into the, one of the key themes in the new book, human centered communication. Is that these young people are still going to walk into a system or a process that has intention for them. And they need to figure out how to conform to the intent of the system or the process. And they also need to figure out how to retain some of their own creative f- freedom within that order. Um, and, you know, I have seen, I'm thinking of a guy named Keegan Otter, who was at Outreach, saw the value of video messages, was super excited about it, got their team excited about it. It never really caught on inside that. Uh, organization that may have changed since then, but then he went on to DoorDash, introduced it there, Uh, now he is at. Uh, gosh, I forget the name of the organization, but they they created the RevOps Co-op, and so like you get these younger people that get the idea and they're bringing it in, and so it's it's a blend of, and it's not really even age related. I mean, we have customers that are sixty years old in the sunset of their you know professional. I'm air quoting for listeners, their professional formal career. And they say things like this makes what I do fun again. This reminds me why I got into the business. No one answers their phone anymore. You know, very few people are responding to the these channels the way they used to. But you know, gosh, when I reach out in this way, they feel like they know me before they meet me. Uh, They respond warmer and better. Or you know, they say things like this totally made my day. Or I really needed to hear that this week. Or that was super helpful. And it reminds them what it's like to do their job, winning it's another key idea, on their best sales asset, which is who they are. And this is true of all of us. Every single one of us is a salesperson and every single one of us wins on who we are. The trust rapport relationship that we built, whether it's the macro yes of someone you know, swiping a credit card or signing a contract or the micro yeses of Yes, I'll make that personal introduction for you. Yes, I'll return that phone call. Yes, I'll reply to that email. Yes, I'll fill out that survey. Yes, I'll give you a five star review. Whatever all these yeses are, it's all so much a part of who you are. Um, And so this idea of you know winning on that again when we were kind of caught in this limbo where we thought that we had to you know scale and anonymize and copy paste and automate the crap out of everything um, that that there's a medium to be found there. And there's a healthy balance that we can find. Um, And so I do think that there is more comfort and confidence around video. I do think human vulnerability, even among the young, because keep in mind, you shoot 30 photos and post the best one, right? You shoot that you do post to TikTok, but I oftentimes it's probably not the first take and not just on those awesome stunt videos that we see that actually do take a thousand tries. Um, you know, it, th- there's there's still a human vulnerability to putting yourself out there in, a, in an honest, less controlled way. But I think it's the right way forward, not again, not just for you, but for
0: the people on the other side of the message. This has been so good, Ethan. Um, before I let you get out of here, maybe share some uh, info on the new book and anything else uh, that you're working on that you want to plug here. Awesome. Thank you for that. Yeah.
1: Again, my name is Ethan Butte. Last name is spelled B E U T E. Hit me up on any social network. Uh, I think I'm on all the mainstream ones. Uh, LinkedIn is a great place to do that. You can also email me directly. It's just Ethan E T H A N at bombbomb.com. Uh, we're called bomb bomb. We're on bomb bomb on all the social networks. It's just the word bomb twice. So don't miss that second B it's B O M B bomb.com uh, and on all the social networks bombbomb.com/slash/book is where you can learn about rehumanize your business, which uh, which came out in April of 2019. That one's gone really, really well. That's the kind of the complete what, why, who, when, and how of what we call relationships through video. This video messaging movement to accelerate sales and improve customer experience. And then the new one, we wanted to go broader. And by we, I mean Steve Passanelli and me. He's a longtime team member and friend, our chief marketing officer. Um, we did both books together. We wanted to go broader. So it's not just about video messages. We're taking the concepts of essentially human centered design and applying them to our communication process. And we're going deeper than our own experience and what we've learned with our customers by inviting 11 other experts, you know, folks from Salesforce, HubSpot. We've got uh, Morgan J. Ingram, who's a three time LinkedIn top sales voice. Uh, we've got Dan Hill, who's a a PhD, and he's an EQ expert with seven patents in the analysis of facial coding data. Uh, and all of it is about how to reach people in a way that serves them more effectively, consistent with some of the themes we're talking about. So there's a lot of video talk in there, but not just video messages. We also talk about how to make calls more engaging, whether it's one-to-one or one-to-many and, and all that. So again, you can learn more about that at bombbomb.com book. I think it is available for pre-order already
0: and uh, formal releases in the fall on Fast Company Press. Go follow this man. You will hear more insights. I know I'm going to have to listen back to the, this one and get my notepad out. Ethan, this was a great conversation. Thanks so much for sharing your wisdom. Talk to you soon. And hopefully I can we can run into each other out in real life at a marketing event somewhere. That's going to happen. Totally. Well, you take care and talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Go check out Ethan's work. Go check out what Bomb Bomb is doing. I love his mindset. I love the work that he's putting out there. Go check out the podcast. Check out all of the content. He's nonstop. I appreciate the hustle. He's always publishing and shipping out really good stuff. If you like what we're doing, hit that subscribe button. Go sign up for The Juice, thejuicehq.com. It's free. Take care of yourself, take care of others around you, and we'll be back next week with more 3C podcasts for you.